Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Lynn will be back in the back handing out $100 bills to all you that came today. So, Lynn, thank you, Lynn. Yes, 200 I know, in Monopoly money, but still. Um, for all those that came today, we got free coffee. Uh, I've been texting all my buddies and like, dude, where are you at? Sorry, bro. Anyway, no, I understand it's raining and it's not like Jesus died on a cross or anything. You can't come to when it's wet and rainy, right? I'm just kidding. That's what Lynn said he should, we should text out. I said, no, Lynn, we want to be loving and compassionate. No, I am, I am totally joking. I, I am so glad you guys are here. And for those that are watching online, I'm glad you guys have joined us as well. I hope you're keeping up with our series that we're going through. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about today's message. I really am. I think it's, um, it's one that's timely. And uh, I do want to say that if these lights go out, I will do my best to continue. Uh, and, um, and we'll see, because that's happened one time in our, uh, our seven-year existence as a church, as the lights all just went out. And uh, someone decided to take a funny picture of me with the glow of my... I don't need anything to help this glow. And uh, my iPad was glowing up in my face, and it was really bad. And they posted it on social media, which always is a good thing. Um, I appreciate that, Leah. Um, Anyway, listen, let's turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8 today. John chapter 8. We are going to make a lot of progress today. We are looking at one verse. How about that in John chapter 8? I want to remind you how the book is set up, just for those that may have been missing or may have been are visiting today. The book is set up in John chapter 1 through 12. That's all that Jesus did. Chapter 13 through 21 that we'll be going over is his is the book of glory. It's him giving his life over for us and defeating death. And that's how the book is set up. Now, John, uh, the disciple Jesus loved, is the writer of the book, and he put down in John chapter 20, verse 31, he put down exactly the reason for the writing of the book, and it's this. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name, by the power of his name. So a few weeks back, uh, I've been working with Wendy's mom on selecting a vehicle out for her to drive. Um, And it's been a really fun expedition for the last three years, but she finally decided to get a vehicle. And she decided to get a red Jeep Wrangler. Yes, I don't like the color, but everything else was nice. A red Wrangler. And so... One of the things, if you know Wendy's mom, is Wendy's mom loves hiking. She loves going on hikes, and she loves going to the mountains, and her sister does too, and her sister lives in heaven, I mean Knoxville, and um, she lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, and so they, she bought this sheep, and uh, she actually went to Knoxville, and, and they went on some hikes over the last few weeks, and they uh, went on a hike, and what occurred And I still don't know the full story if it was four miles in, four miles out, or two miles in and two miles out. I think it was two miles in and two miles out. 
but we don't know. We have no idea. Uh, it's four miles total. Uh, four miles in, four miles out. I want to remind you, Wendy's mom is 74, right? 74 years old. So I hope I can drive four miles when I'm 74. So we'll see. But she goes and she's hiking in and they hike in. Well, the problem was, was that they miscalculated the speed at which they could do this four mile in, four mile out hike. And so the problem was, was that they hiked in and they started hiking back and it started getting dark in the Smoky Mountains. And they, it was going to be a real problem. (laughs) Um, They were moving slowly. Uh, There was a slight accident um, as they were moving along. um, And it was a long process to try to get out. And the cool thing is, is that the, the path that they were on, you know, started getting you know how when it gets dark, I don't know if you, I've, I've tried to mow the yard before, try to get it in before dark. And I don't know what happens, man, but when, whenever you're mowing the yard and, and once that sun goes down just a little bit, it's like you blink twice and it's gone. And then you can't see. Um, and so that's what they ran into. They were, they were hiking and they thought they had enough time, but they did not have enough time. As a matter of fact, the sun went down and they were there in the dark on a trail with no flashlight. And she describes it as out of the blue, God showed up. Now, if you know Wendy's mom, she describes a lot of things as out of the blue, God shows up. All right. But she said out of the blue, God showed up and there was a young man who had decided not to camp, but had decided to come back. And I'll call him Ranger Rick. I don't know his real name, but that's what he reminded me of. But he comes in, and all of a sudden, he has these headlamps, and he has one on. However, because he is a very experienced hiker, and because he was prepared, he had two extra headlamps for them to to wear. And what he did, what he did was he literally lit the way and walked with them. By the way, we got a text at about 10.15 or 10.30 that they had just got out of the trail at night. That's how long the trail was back. But this young man had lit the way for and think, think about that for a second. I know that a lot of times we think, well, you know, the, the, our, our, our next generation is messed up and they don't do this. Hey, listen, this kid who was in his early 20s took the time for these two ladies and he literally walked them out of the trail. He walked them from danger into safety. He walked with them. He walked beside them and he lit the way. He illuminated the path that was before them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's the topic of today. I want to remind you of last week's message. I told you that last week's message 
was not part of a chronology that occurred. As a matter of fact, in, in, on most manuscripts, on all of the early um, uh, Greek manuscripts, the verses 53 of chapter 7 all the way through verse 11 in chapter 8 is actually not found in the book of John. And I explained to you that the event happened, but they put it in there for emphasis. And so we pick up today in verse 12 of John chapter 8. And ironically, it goes right back to where we were the week before last week. So we are now back at the festival of shelters. I want to remind you what the festival of shelters was It was established in Numbers chapter 29 when he said, listen, in order to remind you of what I did for you in the desert, in order to remind you of the power that I have, in order to remind you of who I am, I want you to take seven or eight days and I want you to camp outside as you did, as your ancestors did way back when. And I want you to be reminded of the guidance and the provision that the Lord God did for you. It was a time of thankfulness. It was around harvest time. And they would live in tents for seven to eight days. Many of them, this is really cool, many of them would actually tear a hole in their tent and they would open up a section of their tent. You know why? So that the moon could shine down. And so that the lights could shine in from the outside. They would do that. Even though they had established homes, they still did this. And there was an amazing thing that would occur every night. I think I have a picture of the, uh, of the sanctuary. Do we have that? You see that area, and I, I didn't bring my pointer, but you see the large area in the back. That is, that is the, uh, the enter in, they enter in there. The Holy of Holies would be in the very back of that. But here in the front, when you walk through these doors, here in the front, this is where the main people would gather. And this is where many things occurred in the temple. One of the things that we know occurred was that uh, when Jesus, when, when Jesus talked about the woman who gave her, her money, she presented everything that she had. And that happened here in the main area in the front where those steps are and over to the right is actually where they would give. But what they would do in this time is, is they would take these lampstands these large lampstands, and they would set 16 of them around in this area. They would set 16 of them around in this area. And they would go, what the, what, the way they would celebrate is they would actually march through the city at dark with these lampstands. And they would be celebrating with these lampstands. And then they would come right through those front and they would set those lampstands and it would be a celebration much like the celebration that we talked about where the, the priest would go around and he would have the water and he would go around. And then on the last time he went seven times and then the water he splashed down because Jesus said, I'm the living water. Well, this is the same scenario, but now he's has the, they have the lampstands and they're, they're going around and they're going around and it's a culmination of this celebration. And it's a culmination of how they were led by a cloud by day 
and by fire by night. And it's, Jesus, it's God's presence among them. It's their reminder as they're living out in the tent with the split opened up, they can still see God's presence shining through. And it was at the culmination of this time. It was at the culmination of this time when Jesus said this. John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you follow me, you will have the light that leads to life. The question then that I always ask is, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do about it? And the first thing that I want you to know, the first answer of what it says about God is this, is that Jesus, it illuminates our life. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, but I don't want to be judged by it. All right? Especially by you dudes. All right? You already know I like candles and smelly things. You already know every once in a while I might take a bubble bath. Maybe. But it's manly scents. It's not like lavender. All right? I've got like oak tree bubble bath. All right? But I want to say something else. I'm going to say something else. I actually like musicals. I do. I do. And you know what my favorite musical is? The Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera. I've seen it a couple times. I watched the, the, and the, and the movie was fantastic. Um, I really love the Phantom of the Opera. I do. And one of my favorite parts of the Phantom of the Opera is the first part. So there's a scene. It's so weird. So the Phantom of the Opera, it opens up very dark. It's dark and, and they're, in this, they're in this theater and they're doing an auction. And it's funny because they labeled, they labeled uh, the chandelier as Lot 666, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, the guy goes, Lot 666 then, the chandelier in pieces. You will, and it tells the story. You will be reminded of the grave things that happen. And it starts telling the story. If you've seen it live, has anybody seen it live? A lot of people have seen it live, so I'm, we're excited. Don, you just shook your head when I said that, but you've seen it live, so whatever. Anyway, Don goes, oh boy, great. So anyway, um, so, so let me see who's seen it live again. Okay, the guys are going... Ladies are going, I've seen it, I've seen it. So, but my favorite part is, is when he says, uh, let's have a, a little illumination. And then whoosh. And then the, the, the whole chandelier goes. And the whole thing starts coming up. And it comes up over your head. Now, I'm assuming it comes up over your head. 
It looks like it's over your head. I'm cheap. And so we were in the very top balcony. So we could see it looking down. We had, there's, it looked like a little dot, but, but we, we assume it's over your head, but it is, it's over your head. And at some point, spoiler alert, at some point, the thing goes whoosh and comes down and shatters on the stage. But it illuminates, and what's so cool is, is as they do that, if you watch, the movie is really good. It shows it's really good because the movie, it's all dark. And then as the, the chandelier is coming up, we're going to have to watch it again, Wendy, because I'm really excited. Uh, I know, I'm like, i got to watch it. Uh, anyway, the chandelier is coming up, and all of a sudden the theater starts changing back to the setting that it was in before. But it illuminates, the chandelier illuminates everything. It, like, you can see everything there. And it was epic. And I will not give my man card for loving that. I won't do it. The same thing, and I'm not saying that Jesus is a chandelier at lot 666. I'm not saying that. All right, so don't go there. What I am saying is this. When something illuminates something else, it reveals things that before were not seen. I want you to hear that. When something illuminates something else, it reveals things that, things that before were not seen. What do I mean? Well, what I mean when I say Jesus illuminates our life is I mean that he shines light on the whole part of our life and not just certain parts. Now, many of us, what we want to do is, is we want Jesus to not illuminate this part, but we we will okay with him illuminating this part. And so we try to cover that part. But the reality is, is that Jesus illuminates every part of our being. He brings light into places that are dark and he reveals things to us and about us that are for his glory and our good. And they're things that maybe we don't even understand But he illuminates things. So how does he do that? Well, if we know when he was on the earth, there was no need for Holy Spirit later. There was no need for Holy Spirit because God was in the flesh. But once he he promised Holy Spirit and once he ascended, here's how it occurs. How it occurs is this. In the scriptures, uh, it's so funny because we get so frustrated as believers when people read the Bible and they say, I don't understand that. And my point to you is, is that I didn't understand it either right up until the time that I received Christ and my life was illuminated and Holy Spirit then began to work in me and became a teacher and a counselor for me and made my eyes open up to what the scriptures were actually saying. So when people say they don't understand, there's a reason they don't understand. Because they're still living in the darkness, which is the absence of God's presence living within you. And that is the difference. So here's how it works. It means that there's maybe something that you have seen before in the scripture and you don't necessarily understand or you don't quite comprehend. And when you read that, And you pray about that, God begins to either send other people or he will reveal those things to you by the use of Holy Spirit within your life. And what it does is this. It will illuminate parts of your life that you did not know even needed illumination. 
So one of the things that, that when I read, I like doing, and I usually like reading, I used to like reading with an actual book. I don't do that as much anymore because my eyes aren't as great. And, uh, and if, you, if you've been to our house, you know, or if you've been to my office, you know, I like lamps. I'm not an overhead light kind of guy. All right, I've got a few friends that we go over to their house, and I feel like I'm in a suntan bed. Are you with me? There's the whole lot. I feel like I'm up here. You know what I mean? It's just like beaming down on me. And I'm like, can we cut down? Can we turn the sun off? All right, can we turn that off and like have a little calm little area here? It's because I have sensitive eyes. All gingers do. Most of them do. Uh, Blake, my son Blake's the same way. And, but I don't like that as much. And so I used to have to, when I would read an actual book, I would get my cell phone. And I would try to read this book sitting on the couch, and I would, like, push the cell phone toward it. I even bought one of those little lamps, those little lights you put on your books, until finally I decided I'm just going to get an iPad to read. And it's been great ever since. But see, whenever I was reading the book in the darkness, I couldn't read the book. I couldn't comprehend. I couldn't see. I couldn't understand what the book was trying to tell me and what the whole situation was about until I did what? Until I allowed the light in this case from my cell phone, to shine on that situation. And when the light shined on the, on, on the pages, then everything became clear to me. And the same is true for your life in my life whenever we allow Jesus to illuminate our life. When we allow him to come into places, when we allow him to let him see certain things about our lives and we ask him and we come to him and we literally allow him to come in and to speak into our life first john chapter 5 first john chapter 1 this is first john not john first john chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 says this is the message we've heard from jesus and now declare to you god is light and there is no darkness in him at all So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. Now, what is spiritual darkness there? I'm going to tell you what spiritual darkness is. Spiritual darkness is what a lot of people want to do today. Spiritual darkness is what a lot of people want to do today. They want to claim to be a follower of Jesus Yet they want to ignore what the Bible says about how they are currently living their life. They want Jesus and they also want the sin that so, James says, so easily entangles. And they don't want to give up. And, they, and so what a lot of people do is what I talked about three weeks ago is instead of changing their life, they change who Jesus is. But 1 John says that if we have fellowship with God, we're not going to go and live it in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. We're not practicing the truth. So, how do we have this light? Well, we receive Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. That's how we have this light. We receive him as our Lord and Savior. And then when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we actually allow him to become our Lord. This is what most people don't want to do. Most people want Jesus as a Savior and they don't want him as a Lord. They don't. They want Jesus the Savior, but they don't want Jesus 
the Lord. And I want you to know something. There's a huge difference between asking Jesus to be your Savior and asking Jesus to be your Lord. Scripture says when we ask Him to be our Savior, we are transferred from the darkness into the light. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that a lot of people are living their lives claiming to be followers of Jesus, but not allowing Jesus to be their Lord. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like coming to church on Sunday, but having nothing else to do with God during the week. It looks like how you uh, do your finances. It looks like how you treat your, your husband or wife. It looks like your faithfulness to God and through, through Christ. It looks like you, listen, I want to tell you something. If you're the same person you were 20 years ago before you gave your life to Christ, I would check and I would question whether or not you actually know him because I had no choice but to change when I truly met him. I just didn't. Why? Because he illuminated my life, man. There were things that I couldn't stay. I could not physically keep doing that or keep, keep you know, I, I had to get rid of that. I, I couldn't do it. And it was like, well, gosh, man, you know, you want to live miserable? No, I want to live free. That's what I want to live. I want to live free. And I couldn't keep having that situation occur. I couldn't keep, and I could go on and on and on. And it wasn't something that I was like, well, I guess now since I'm saved, I'm going to do. No, man, I literally physically couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it. I was like, no, I, I do not have the ability. Knowing what I know now, knowing what God has illuminated to me, knowing who Jesus is, Knowing that he came and saved me, I can no longer do that. As a matter of fact, I have to raise the standard in my life. I have to raise one of the things we say around here all the time as a staff, and Lynn and I say it all the time, is whatever the highest ethic, moral, the highest integrity, that's who we want to be. We want to be above reproach. That's who we want to be. In all situations, we want to be above reproach. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't. And I honestly don't see how people can do it anymore when they claim to be. I really think that they want Jesus as Savior, but they don't want Jesus as Lord. I really do. So what happens when you've accepted that and when you've allowed him to be your Lord? Well, I'll tell you what he does. He sheds light on your circumstances. When, you, when you've accepted Christ, he not only illuminates your life, but he also sheds light on your circumstances. I'll never forget this as long as I live. It's etched in my brain. There's, you know how there's certain things that are just etched in your brain? This is etched in my brain, and I'll never forget it. My daughter was going through a really tough time. There's a lot of greatness and wonderful things that happen with adoption, and it's such an incredible thing. But what people don't tell you is, is that you have to clean up a lot of the mess that was made before you were ever around. And with our daughter, we, we, she came to live with us when she was 13. We adopted her right when she turned 14. And so you have to clean up a lot of the mess before. A lot of the mess that you didn't cause. And so what you do is you end up actually being more of a healer and a helper through God's help. You ended up doing that. And so my daughter was going through a really, really tough time. And, and she shared, so I can share, that you know, she was cutting herself. And she was having major problems. 
And this was in ninth grade, and it was a tough time for our family. We had to go through and redo all of our, uh, all of our, we, we, we had to lock up knives, and we had to do all kinds of stuff. To, because we loved her, and we wanted to protect her. And I'll never forget it, because one night she got kind of out of control, and we had to take her to the ER. And we took her to the ER, and she had, she had, she had some major problems. And so, and it's amazing. Let me tell you how carrying burdens work, guys. You know what happens? We took her to the ER. We called, we called a friend of ours. This was, this was late. This was like 10 or 10, 30, 11 at night. We called a friend of ours. They immediately, they immediately, because we had our son, they came straight to our house, got our son, went over. These are all church people. People always say, well, man, why should I go to church? Well, here's why. They took, they took our son, they went over. And then they started calling other people. And guess what happened? Other people started showing up at the hospital at 11 and 11.30 and 12 and 12.30. And they were there with us because they were carrying our burdens for us. And the amazing thing was, I'll never forget this. I was sitting in, because they said, hey, let us do some evaluations. And, and, and so I said, hey, I, I'm going to go out to the car and just sit for a little bit. And I did. I went out and I sat. And I'll never forget this. And it was at the, it was at the old Noonan Hospital. I'll never forget this. I was sitting in the car and the emergency, the red emergency light that was there was shining so bright in the car. It was shining so bright in the car. And it was, I mean, it was, it, the inside of the car was like red. And I was trying to sit there and just think and pray and process. And, and, and I, I'll never forget this. And it's etched in my mind. I said, God, all I'm trying to do here is help this kid. Would you give us a break? Would you please help us? And God spoke so clearly to me. And he said, don't worry about Bailey. I will take care of her. And from that moment until right now today, every time I pray about my daughter, who's doing fantastic, by the way, every, because of God, every time I pray, God says the same thing. Don't worry about Bailey. I'll take care of her. And guess what he's done? He's taken care of her. And that is how God illuminates your circumstances. When God, when, when the light of Christ enters into your circumstances, you get clarity, you get wisdom, you get peace. You get calmness, and all of a sudden, you start to trust him on things. You start to trust him on your finances. You start to trust him on your marriage. You start to trust him on your kids. You start to trust him on your job. You start to trust him on your friendships. You start to trust him on all those things. Now, did my life become easier after that night? Did I walk back in with, with halos and, you know, and, and eagle's wings going, oh my gosh, everything's good. God's going to take care of you. No, it was hard. As a matter of fact, it became harder. It became much harder. And for those that would look on the outside, they would say, man, externally, you've had a rough time. And I would say, yeah, I have externally had a rough time. But internally, oh man, you have no clue internally. Internally, there was peace. Internally, it's amazing. It's so funny because because, and, and I can say this, and listen, I'm, trust me, if you know me, you know that I'm not super spiritual up here. I'm not like Captain Christian up here. I'm not, all right? Because I struggle like the rest of you. 
But the next morning, my son had a football game at 10 o'clock. It's where I met Elijah Slay over there. And um, he and I were coaches. Now, when I say we were coaches, we were, we were two dads that had sucker written across our face. And we showed up and they said, hey, we got too many kids. We need to make a fourth team. So let's take all the sorry kids and throw them with you two schmucks. And that's, why, that's what we did. So we never scored a touchdown the whole year. It was because Elijah ran the offense and I ran the defense. But anyway, um, no, we never scored a touchdown the whole year. We never stopped a touchdown either. So anyway, um, but I went and I went to that game. And Wendy and I went and my son played and I hadn't slept all night and neither had Wendy. And we went and I had an inner peace. Was I concerned externally? I was, but I had an inner peace. So much so that Elijah did not know what was going on with me and did not find out what was going on to me until many years later. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell anybody. Just those core people. That is what happens internally. Externally, it may mean that all hell's breaking loose. Internally, though, there's calmness and there's peace and there's clarity. And that's what happens when Jesus sheds light on our circumstances. And so here's what I'm thinking. If Jesus, if Jesus illuminates our life, if he allows us to understand, if he's truly the light of the world, and if he's then shedding light on our circumstances, shouldn't we shed light onto other people? Man, if he's good enough to do that to us, shouldn't we shed light onto other people? That's what we're to do. We're to shed light onto other people. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you. No. So that everyone will give you the glory. No. So that you can make yourself look better. No. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's our motivation, and that's why we do it. We always sing. Now listen, I didn't, I didn't really grow up in church, and so I don't remember ever singing this song. But we all, and I, and I tried to ask Dan if he would sing this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But he said no. And so, but, but no, seriously, uh, as, a, as a closing song, but we would all sing that song. This little, I know I lied, Dan. I totally didn't ask him because he would have done it. It would have probably been rocking, you know, this little light of mine. You know, that would have been cool. But anyway, um, where did we get that light? Where did we get that little light? That little childish song that we sang is so true. Is so true. We are the ones that are equipped. We're the ones that's supposed to have this light of the world. Do you realize that every day you have an opportunity? You have an opportunity. Your very actions will tell others your faith or your lack of faith. Your attitude will tell others your faith or your lack of faith. The peace that you have will tell others your faith or your lack of faith. 
Your social media post will tell others your faith or your lack of faith. How you treat your friends will tell others your faith or your lack of faith. How you treat your family tells others your faith or your lack of faith. What you value tells others your faith or your lack of faith. And we have an obligation and we have an opportunity to be light in the world today. My question to you is, is what does your life currently illuminate onto other people? What does it illuminate onto other people? I don't want to call attention to him, but I do want to tell you that, that I was blown away and it's been an image in my mind all week and it's ministered to me all week. Okay. It's ministered to me all week when, when brother Ben over here came down forward last Sunday because they're going through a hard time as every one of us would. But it's interesting to me. He, he, he didn't run out and he didn't go try to do things on his own. Do you know what he did? He came down front and he collapsed on the altar. Why would he do that? Because he knows what I know. That his strength comes. And then whenever he's weak, Jesus is strong. And he knows where his answer comes from. And now, hopefully, so do you. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the fact, God, that you are a light. I'm so thankful that you illuminate our lives and God, you allow, you allow us to take in that light which we don't even deserve. And God, you illuminate our circumstances. You shine your light on our circumstances and you shine our, your light and you tell us the truth even when it can be painful, even when it can be hurtful. And God, the amazing thing is, is after you do those things to us, and when we make you our Lord, then you want to use us to shed light on other people and to let them know that the answer is not found anywhere else except in you. Because like you said in John chapter 8, verse 12, you are the light of the world. You always have been, you are today, and you always will be. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Let's stand up for our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.